Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rugby Show, live here on FinalWhistle.ie. And on tonight's show, I'll be joined by Lucy Mulhall, the Irish International, and I'll also be joined by Kieran Noble to discuss all things AIL. I'm joined again by Kieran Noble to take a look at all things AIL. Kieran, wait, welcome back to the, to the show. Uh, good to be back. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. We missed you the last couple of weeks, so we have plenty yeah. of action to look into. Yeah, absolutely. A lot has happened since we last spoke, so let's get into it. It, it really has. And with Lansdowne and Clontarf now confirmed in that top four, um, there's still a lot of teams that could maybe make a break for that um, this, like important position with Terenor, Young Munster, Corcon, and Dublin University all still available to qualify for the semi-finals. A uh, big win for Terran York, Kieran. Um, beat Young Monster 18-12 last weekend. What did you make of that? Yeah, massive win for them because at the start of the season, they actually, as I spoke about before, they, they lost that group of three against um, Lansdowne, Young Monster and Clontarf. So that does their confidence a lot of good. And even though they're not technically definitely qualified yet, in my mind, they're all right. Like I, I can't see them getting out of that top four position. But the interesting thing for them is the game at the weekend against um against Lansdowne and that would be a big one because I reckon they could end up playing in the playoffs but we'll talk about that a bit later on but yeah it was a it was a good win for Terran York and I actually think they've been a really impressive this season like you can talk about Clontarf you can talk about Lansdowne but Terran York have been really really good they're the complete package they have some really good forwards a really good powerful mall they have some really good backs that can spin it when they need to so yeah they're a team to team to really look at in the next few weeks coming up to the playoffs. And Clontarf with now 11 wins in a row and they kind of cemented their place as the team to beat last weekend, even if they didn't really need to anymore, with a 24-12 victory over Cork Con. And do you think it might be a case of resting a couple of players for the last few game weeks and maybe make sure that they're in top form for them semi-finals? Yeah, definitely. Look, when I seen Clontarf against Lansdowne, like this is probably last month, you know, I knew straight away by the way they performed there that they were the outstanding team and they were the team to beat. And I think now it's just about managing the situation for them. Like in kind of the last two weeks, I think they have, um, I'm not sure, I can't remember at this moment who they have, but, uh, you know, they're already there and they've pretty much secured a home semi final as well. So, you know, for them, it's about managing the situation. And uh, yeah, I'd say they're, they're standout favourites, to be honest, to win 1A. Um, you know, they've been exceptional this season and they've probably been the only team in my mind ahead of Terran Yor in terms of form. Um, so I think, yeah, they're clear favourites to go on and win the AIL. But as we said many times, lots of things can happen in the playoffs. But if you're Clontarf and you're their management team, you'd be really happy. And then a side that has maybe surprised people this year and they're sitting ahead of a lot of very well-respectable clubs and Dublin University, another win at the weekend, a 30-19 win over Ballynahinch. Um, how do you, what do you think about their chances maybe for a top four finish? Yeah, no, there's some really good guys in the Trinity panel. Like I've seen them twice this season when they got two big victories. One was against Lansdowne in, on the Aviva back pitch and then another time was against UCD in Belfield. They absolutely destroyed UCD that day, I think UCD were nilled, and uh, yeah, Trinity are a really good side. And to be honest, they're probably a bit unlucky. I think, I think they've won something like nine games this season, and they only sit sixth. Whereas it's funny, Cork Con have only won eight games, and they sit fourth. So it just shows the power of the bonus point, obviously, in that situation. But I think Trinity 
I actually said to someone at the start of the season that I'd tip Trinity to get into the playoffs. And now they're kind of they kind of have to they're in a difficult situation. They just have to make sure they win their two games. And they have to kind of make sure that young Munster or Cork Con, they play each other at the weekend, but that both of them slip up somewhere along the way. So it opens the door for Trinity to get in there. So it's it's a difficult one for them, but it's not impossible. And then down the bottom of the table, uh, UCC, another big loss, 52-21 against Lansdowne. Um, and then obviously Ballinahinch Hinch losing to Dublin University. Do you think it's a toss of a coin between them two or do you think Ballinahinch Hinch would be too strong to, to maybe go down? I think it's a, yeah, it's a flip of a coin, really. Like I think it's been pretty clear from the early stages of the season, I'd say week three, that UCC and Ballinahinch Hinch were going to be the two ones that were really in trouble. Uh, you know, I, I never really considered Gary Owen and UCD in that equation. Like, they were always kind of mid-table. And I think it is definitely one of those teams. But the way you have to look at it is one of them are really lucky that they're not going to go down because of the, the way things are this year, that only one team are going down. Because realistically, both of them should be going down, but only one of them is. So it's like a final for them, essentially. Like, you know, if they win, I'm sure whichever team wins, they're not really going to care about what went on in the season. Like, they just want to win that one game. So, yeah, it's like a final for them too. Yeah, you're dead right. And they'll 100% be playing with everything they have to cement that position in 1A next year. And then moving down to 1B, um, Old Wesley are confirmed in that top four after a win over Navin. And then there's another four sides that are well in contention. Highfield, Shannon, Nace and St. Mary's. Um, And a big win for Nace at the weekend over Highfield, 27 points to 22 how do you see this one playing out, Yeah, it's funny, you know. If you would ask me at the midway stage, there's no way. Now, like looking at where we are now with two weekends to go, there's no way I could have seen Highfield in this bit of a scrap. I still think they'll make the top four, but I would have, I would have thought, to be honest with you, that they would have secured it maybe two weeks ago. That you know they were definitely in the playoffs. They've kind of like almost hit a wall this second half of the season. It's like they did so well the first half and then they've kind of lost their momentum a little bit. And then you look at old Wesley who just went from strength to strength. They look unreal. And then you look at somebody like Nace who a lot of people wouldn't have um, necessarily tipped to get into the playoffs. They probably would have been the other scale, like maybe a relegation sort of battle. So they're like really impressing people, I think, to be honest. And Marys are still in the equation. They could do lots of good things. So it's really interesting 1B, you know. Shannon, I seen them a few weeks and weeks ago against Old Belvedere. And I think I said before, they really impressed me. So I wouldn't be surprised if they gave uh, Wesley a run for their money in a promotion final, maybe. But yeah, I think 1B, a lot can happen. I don't think Highfield are out of the equation yet. I think they can beat anybody on their day. So yeah, I think any of those kind of five teams could potentially go up to 1A. And, of course, it could go down to the last day uh, where St. Mary's are playing Highfield at home. Um, and I suppose maybe the only thing that do is could go against Mary's is they have Wesley next away from home and then obviously finishing the season against Highfield. But if they're playing against a Wesley side that could be under strength, it will really blow that race for the top four wide open. Um, and then picking up on your, your point against Shannon, they're, they're really hitting form at the right time and they're showing that they can contest with the, the bigger sides in the in the division. Um so would you say maybe between Wesley and Shannon for yourself um, to maybe head up to 1A? Yeah, it's funny. Like if, like I said, if you asked me that like a few months ago, I would have said, oh, it has to be Highfield and old Wesley, to be honest. But the way Shannon have kind of came good at the right time, I really think 
Shannon and the Wesley final will be will be great to watch. Like Shannon are a club that have an illustrious history in the AIL and you know have done so much over the years. And it would be really good if they got up to 1A. But then on the other hand, you've got Wesley, a club who've kind of worked their way to where they are now. They've had some really hard years and, you know, they've worked really, really hard to get in the position that they are. And now they're on the cusp of being a 1A side. And if it wasn't for COVID, to be fair, Wesley would have probably been a 1A side already. So, you know, they've worked towards this moment. So, yeah, Shannon-Wesley final would be great to see, I think. Yeah, and, and another big win for them at the weekend, a 29-20 victory over the City of Armagh. Uh, St. Mary's beat Banbridge 34-10, while Old Wesley, like I said, beat Navin 50 points to 14. And then the final game of the weekend, Old Belvedere beat Malone 42 points to 29. And then down that bottom, there seems to be three teams that are maybe flirting with relegation a bit there with Navin, Malone and Banbridge. And do you think it could be any of the three or do you think maybe Navin could be down? I think Navin would have to be their kind of favourites in that situation, to be honest with you. I, I just think, you know, they've been on a bit of a Cinderella story, you know, jumping from two C to two B to two B to two A and then two A to one B. But now I think they've kind of, they've reached their limit in a lot of ways, you know. I think they've kind of found where their level's at now. And I think, yeah, they'd be my favourites to go down. I, I actually think Banbridge and Malone are actually two very good sides that maybe things just haven't fallen their way this season. Like, 1B is a funny one. I think a lot of the teams are on a similar level. Like, I actually think, like, looking where Nace are, I don't think Nace are so much better than the likes of Belvedere or Malone or Banbridge. It's just a look of the season, really. And, you know, some people get momentum at different stages and it can carry them through. So, yeah, I'd have to say Navin are my favourites to go down. And then moving on to Division 2A, another very competitive table there in in regards to that fourth place spot with Old Crescent and MU uh, Baron Hall just sitting outside that top four, Ballymena, Buccaneers and Cashel are in that top four at the moment, but it's another one that can go either way. And there's a, a big win for Old Crescent over Ballymena at the weekend, beating them 25 points to 17. Um, obviously, Queen's University are runaway leaders there, but as you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it really doesn't mean a lot if you still have to play in these semifinals. Yeah, it doesn't really, like... That's a bad thing. Like, if you're a Queen supporter, you've watched the whole season, you've kind of been coasting, and you've been saying, oh, this is easy, like. But, like, you get to the semi-final, and if you lose, you're just going to be like, what was that all for? Like, you know. And the thing about books as well, I think they won the Connacht Senior Cup, didn't they, a couple of weeks yeah, ago? And that sort of thing will give them a momentum. They've already picked up silverware, so they'll be hungry to get more. Whereas the Queens will have all the pressure. Because everyone's like, you've sat top of the table nearly all season. Like, it's yours to win and it's yours to lose. So, like, it's all on them. And for the other teams, they kind of just have to just wait and take their opportunities as they come. Yeah, and as the table suggests, there isn't a lot to call between the between the rest of them. And Cashel have been a side who have been sitting in that second place for, for the last number of weeks. Um, and did have a good win over UL Bohemians, uh, while Buccaneers did pick up uh, their first win in three games after beating Nina Ormond 36-19. And then uh, Emmy Barnhall still sticking around there, but just narrowly beat uh, Rainy Old Boys 24 points to 21. And speaking of Rainy Old Boys, um, themselves and Nina Ormond are the sides at the bottom of the table. How do you see that one playing out? Well, um, I actually haven't got to see a lot of them, so I'm not going to pretend that I know... Uh, the right answer but you know these matches you kind of have to take them as 
you kind of have to forget form in a lot of ways if you're the coach or you're the manager you just kind of have to take it as final as such and just say to the lads look go out there put it all on the line and come in here and say you gave it your best that's all you can do in those situations like just go leave it all out there and hope that you get the win on the day and then moving down to division 2b and it may be one of the more settled top fours um with Greystones, galway corinthians blackrock and belfast harlequin sitting in that top four positions uh wanderers have drifted slightly and lost to dungannon last week and now find themselves um seven points outside the top four do you think that could be the top four that we're looking at at come yeah. the end of the season yeah probably to be honest and it's funny as well like you know the three teams that are there have all kind of had victories over Greystones in the last while, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, like, I mean, I said this to you, like, I think about two months ago, that my biggest worry for Greystones was that they were they were going along, winning all the games, but towards the end of the season, I was like, I'd be a bit, I'd be a bit worried. I think I said to you, like, will they be able to keep it up? And now, seeing what's happened to them in the last few weeks, I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And then you look at somebody like Belfast Harlequins who seem to be, you know, getting big results at the right time. And they look like a team that are on the up. So it's a strange one. And Corinthians as well beating Greystones at the weekend. Like, Greystones are top, but I'd say confidence-wise, they're probably at the bottom out of those four teams. Definitely. And they have had quite a number of losses since the turn of the year. And I think when we were first speaking, they had only lost one time as well. And then did lose 33 21 to Corinthians at the weekend. And that is a big, um, it is a quite a lot of damage to take maybe before the, the top four campaign. And especially, let's say, Greystone did draw Corinthians in that semi final. Corinthians, knowing that they have beaten them relatively um, recently, could really play a big a big role. Yeah. And I think Greystones have had a few injuries, if I'm not wrong, too, towards the end of the season that's, have, that's had an impact. So, yeah, it's, it's a strange one for Greystones because. You'd almost want to finish the season better and start the season a bit off, you know, because when you finish it better, I think you're more confident going into the playoffs. So they're in a strange position at the minute. You know, they've really been struggling for form. The only thing that's kind of played in their favour is they were so far ahead at the start of the season that they're still top of the table, even though they've had these losses. Like, so. Yeah. And, and top by four points with that as well. And then a side that has really impressed me in, in recent weeks um five wins from the last six games it's it's malahide and they really struggled at the start of the season and then a big win over sligo who were promotion hopefuls only a couple of weeks ago but they do now find themselves in sixth place and pretty much out of the running what have you made of the likes of malahide and sligo and some of them maybe mid-table sides well maybe in malahide's case like they knew that the playoffs was kind of far away from them so they were just like lads let's just go out and enjoy rugby like and just you know play your rugby match hope for a win, have a few points afterwards and just get a bit of culture in the squad. Like, you know, having a bit of crack and sometimes that can help because sometimes when you're in a position where you're top of the table and you're thinking about promotion all the time, it can get inside your head a little bit and rugby can become really serious. Whereas you have to remember these guys, they're not professional. You know, they they have jobs during the week. So the main thing is to be enjoying your rugby, not obsessing over it or thinking we have to win this, we have to win that. So maybe Malahide have just got to a stage where they're just enjoying it. They have no expectations, you know? Yeah, definitely. And if they are doing that ritual of a few points after the game, I'd highly suggest that they keep at it because they're in phenomenal form. 
Uh, and then down the bottom of the table, um, it is Galwegians, and they're kind of there on their own, and you can't really see them putting a, a string of results together, and it looks like that they probably will be playing their rugby in 2C next next year. Yeah, it's mad. Um, my uncle's actually over from Australia at the minute, and uh, he went to NUIG when he was doing his Masters, and he played a bit with Galwegians, and I think they were Division One at the time. And <laughs> I was telling him, because he hasn't really kept up to date, and I was saying, well, it looks like they're going to 2C now. And he couldn't believe it. Like, so it's funny how these things change, you know. And, uh, you know, it can happen so fast in the space of 10 years. And, you know, clubs go through highs and through lows. And it's funny how the game works. It really can. And obviously, even if you look at these lower divisions, you have some huge clubs that were maybe so used to winning silverware now playing in lower leagues of the AIL. But it does, like you mentioned earlier on with Navin, all it takes is a couple of good seasons, good batch of players, and you can really propel yourself back up them divisions. Yeah, there's no real, I said this before, but from like Leinster League 1A to, I don't know, AIL 2B or 2A, there's not a massive difference like in terms of level. You know, there's not a big jump. I only think you're really, you only really see the jump maybe when you get to 1B or 1A. And I think that's what Navin are experiencing at the minute. You know, they've just kind of found their level and, you know, they'll go back down and they'll probably reassess and, you know, try and figure a way like to go forward from there and maybe hopefully get promoted in their case back up and see if they can give it another crack. Well, they're not relegated yet, but I'm kind of just speaking like if they were to get relegated, like where they should go. But yeah, there isn't a massive gap between teams in all these levels, to be honest. So, you know, a few seasons, maybe a new manager here and there, uh, a new culture in the club can really change things around. So, you know, everything can change in rugby pretty fast. You see that with Ireland all the time, though, like um, when we won the Grand Slam in 2018 and everyone was getting excited and this, that and the other. But in 2019, it didn't count for anything. So, you know, everything changes fast, not just in rugby, but just in sport. So enjoy the good times while they're here, but the, the bad times won't last forever. Do you know what I mean? So, Absolutely, you're dead right. And then moving on to the bottom division, Division 2C, and... This is similar enough to 2B, a very settled top four with Enniscorthy, Scaries, Banger and Tullamore all occupying them positions. Um, and obviously Middleton sitting nine, ten points behind Tullamore there in fifth place. I think we're probably looking at that at the top four that's going to play out them semi-finals, Karen. Yeah, definitely. And big ups to Enniscorthy for what they're doing this season and where they are. Like It's, it's remarkable, really. Because they're that prime example of what I was talking about, that there's no real big gap between Leinster League 1A and up to about 2B, 2A. Like, because they were only in Leinster League 1A, as they say, every week, like two years ago, two and a half years ago. Like, so to see where they're at, it kind of just shows you where your club could be, you know. And I really, I really personally would like to see Enniscorthy go up and, you know, do a job and get into 2B and have a good run in 2B and see where they can go. I wouldn't be surprised if they're the Cinderella, Cinderella story in the AIL in the coming seasons, to be honest. I think there's plenty of potential in the club. A lot of good things are going on. So, yeah, I'd keep an eye out for Enniscorthy. I agree. And of all the maybe runaway leaders that are in the AIL, apart from Fantas, you probably would back Enniscorthy and some of the rugby that they've played are fantastic. And since they won that Towns Cup a couple of seasons ago, it really has given that whole club a, a huge boost. Um, and then elsewhere in the division, Tullamore made a big statement by beating Scaries 23 points to 17. Enniscorthy beat Oma Academicals 17-14, while Middleton beat Banger 24-8. 
and Brough also overcame Clonmel by 25-24, and City of Derry also beat Sunday's well 23-19. Uh, then down the bottom of the table there, Sunday's well are st struggling slightly, maybe. Yeah, I, I kind of keep an eye on these results. I don't get to see much, but Sunday's well, yeah, I've looked at their results throughout the season, and they're really struggling, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And also then you've got the round robin underneath the AIL. Uh, you've got teams from Connacht, Ulster, Munster and Leinster looking to go up. And back to Rangers, one Leinster League, one A. So, you know, they'd be my favourites to kind of progress into the AIL. You know, and it'll be interesting to see what they can do if they do progress. Like they, they're under Bernard Jackman, who's probably the top analyst in rugby. Other than myself, obviously, like uh, he's probably the top analyst. But uh, yeah, you know, he's a great manager. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do with Bechtov in the coming years. Yeah, it really will be. Kieran, thank you so much, and um, we'll talk to you after. Thank you. We are now joined by Irish International and Irish Sevens captain Lucy Mulhall. Lucy, welcome to the rugby show. Thanks, Luke. Thanks. It's great to be here. And obviously just off the, the back of a very big weekend in the Six Nations, um, what's your reaction from the game? Yeah, I think... Um... The result obviously didn't go the way that we wanted. Um, we've loads of positives coming away from it. And I think as a new group together, new management team, um, it's really exciting to have seen um, so much of our kind of new style of play um, and uh, newer players, I guess, newer group together, actually seeing the rewards of it on the pitch, but then also learning loads from um, certain areas that now we just need to tighten up on Um and yet, like, very disappointed not to get the win at home. It was an amazing crowd. Uh, I think it was a record-breaking crowd and a class atmosphere. Um, to play at home was unreal, but it would have been really nice to get the result for them. But then, bigger picture, um, there's a lot of positives still to take from it. Yeah, and you mentioned it there. What are kind of the, the changes that are being made? Obviously, a lot of new faces in the side and Neve Briggs joining the coaching panel. What are they really trying to implement? Yeah, I think it's just playing a, a more um, exciting brand of rugby, I think, is is the way that Greg would put it. Um, but yeah, just trying to play to the super strengths of of every player that we have in there, um, which I think we could see at times throughout the game, like that try um, by Linda um, with the offload from Sam, like that's a sort of, they're the sort of pass and they're the sort of players that we have within our pack and within our squad now, so... Um, we definitely seen glimpses of that and I think supporters that were there on the day or watching could see that there was an exciting um, element to how we were playing so it's just trying to build consistency um, through that and also hold on to possession so that we can we can show that in our attack. And then obviously a huge game then this weekend, how are you kind of planning for that and do you maybe do you plan different for different sides you play against or do you kind of just focus on, on your own game plan? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think you have to do your homework um, on every team that you're doing. You have to give them due respect um, to watch footage and just have a plan. But again, a lot of it, it will actually just be us honing in on our systems and what we want to do defensively and attacking because um, we've been working on that so far. And I think last weekend was a big learning um, learning curve for us. And I'll just point out areas that if we make small improvements there, it doesn't matter what team um, we're playing against, we should be able to put any team under pressure. And what it would really make a successful campaign then for you? And have you spoke about it with Greg and Neve? And did you maybe set goals at the start of the campaign? 
Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of them are, again, around what we actually do on the pitch as opposed to the scoreboard that's up above or even the opposition that we're playing. It's more around the performances that we can put in on the pitch, um, the growth that we can see as a squad and also how much we can gel together um, as a team. So I think it's just trying to get the best out of us as a team um, and kind of get that good cohesion on the pitch with new systems and new styles of playing. So I think that's definitely kind of a bigger picture goal um, without getting too fixated on the scoreboard or the results. And you're obviously a player with real experience at this stage and a silver medal um, from the World Rugby 7 Series in Seville. Um, can you try to sum up that and what an amazing kind of couple of weeks that was for Irish women's rugby? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, I've, I've been playing sevens now eight years um, and that was by far just the best day of my career. So um, so to date, like, um, yeah, we, we'd been working pretty hard um, on that, especially over COVID. I think we went through a difficult patch by not qualifying for the Olympics um, and some poor results going into COVID. So I think we, we worked hard behind the scenes and it was just great to see that pay off. Um, so yeah, that was that was incredible, and it's kind of a weekend you look back on and you pinch yourself. But then at the same time, you you also look back on and and think how much you'd love to come away with goals. So I think that's definitely in the for, forefront of our minds now with everything that we're doing. Yeah, and then obviously on top of that, then you were named in the dream team for the tournament. And was that something that you're maybe expecting, or just a real added bonus um, on what was a great campaign? Yeah, um, I'd never. I'd never expect or kind of aim for individual accolades. I think um, it's definitely quite a subjective award and I'm very, um, like, I, I'm really grateful to have got it. But at the end of the day, that it took a full team effort and we go out there with 13 players and um, some of us do get to play more minutes, which then might contribute towards um, being able to get something like that. Whereas the other players do just as good of a job if you're coming on for the last three minutes, you're the one that's going to finish off the game. Um, so definitely, I don't think anything trumped. I think it was kind of getting to sing your national anthem and being able to represent um, the team and the country and our families and supporters at home so well in the final. Um, but again, kind of with that added bit of hurt that we didn't get to finish off the job. So I think that'll be definitely something we want to do the next day. And how do you really juggle the the 15s rugby with the sevens? And I know there is a, a couple of other girls who have the same issues. And I know that there's a series in Canada at the end of the month. And is that something that's in the back of your mind? Like, how am I going to maybe get time to do, to do it all? Um, I think I definitely am kind of new let's say to 15s and especially to international 15s um i'm very inexperienced in that but for me i've i've learned that uh any styles of rugby as much as sevens and 15s are very different i think they complement each other really well and i i definitely benefited from playing club um recently when we came back from seville and i think that definitely helped me and i could see i could see how we individually as players brought that to our sevens training and then equally I can see how our seven training comp complements 15 so I just feel very blessed that I get to do both Um, I kind of pinch myself the fact that I'm getting to play Six Nations games I got to play in front of my family um, and, and play Six Nations games in the RDS but then equally I get to go to Canada and play on the World Series so I think um, myself and the girls that are getting this opportunity to do this are just really grateful and it's actually I don't see many negatives to it at all. I think um, balancing the two of them um, naturally kind of happens. And we've got like serious experts um, both across both programs where SNCs will constantly be in contact with physios, et cetera, to make sure that we're well looked after and that um, we kind of still are able to achieve both goals at the same time. 
And sevens rugby is really starting to to maybe break through now, especially for Ireland and on a national scale. And in your opinion, what needs to be done for maybe the same to happen with fifteens? Yeah, I um, I, I think uh, I think fifteens is still um on a big scale as well. I think for for both programs, um, we can still see so much growth in women's rugby. I, I still think there's massive potential to grow more and more. And um, but there's definitely a, a massive amount of girls playing out there, which is fantastic. And the growth that it, that has been over the last number of years, um, has been amazing for me personally. I just want to be able to do my best to help the teams that I'm on to get results because I know myself. Um, exposure is what kind of gets people to play and the reason that I was picked up in sevens in the first place was that I'd answered on a GA um, questionnaire that my favourite sport moment was the girls win the Grand Slam um, because I watched that and I thought like I was so captivated by the emotions behind it and what those girls were able to achieve um, that then I, I'm aware that there's people going to be watching and the more that we can put on good displays of rugby, even at the weekend without getting the result of the amount of people that watched and came to that game, um, I think that's what's going to just grow the game. So um, for us, it's definitely just, and for me personally, it's just about growing the number of girls that are playing rugby, um, whether that be sevens or fifteens. And like you mentioned there, rugby wasn't always your, your number one sport and how did that really come, come around? And I know that you were very involved with, with Glow GAA and how did you really just fall, fall into rugby? Yeah, it was kind of like that. I did fall into it. Um, Stan McDowell, who was the development coach at the time, um, actually sent me an email and I was in college um, probably uh, far too distracted than I should have been checking through my emails in a lecture and I'll never forget just coming across this email and I was a very disorganized college student. I can't even tell you how many emails were in that inbox, but um, I seen it and uh, it's something that day, like if I always say if I did it now or if I did it a couple of years ago, I don't think I would have um, been able to take that risk. I think I would have been too, maybe not as carefree, but back then I just thought, seen it as a good opportunity and I can't really explain, but something just felt right about it. And I was brought, I was very fortunate. There was a development tournament um, in Amsterdam for the girls a couple of weeks later and I was brought on that and the World Series was over there at the same time and I just fell in love with the sport. I got to see not only New Zealand um, and Ireland and all on the World Series playing at that level, but I also got to play it myself. And um, I love the the element of hard work. And I think it was kind of like the, I guess, it's, uh, accountability that you have on the pitch. If When there's only seven on the pitch, you really rely on those around you. And it's kind of, it's the same in 15s in rugby. You rely on those around you so much. And um, yeah, your accountability to do your job. So ever since that, I've just been kind of rugby mad, but still have... A massive passion for GA as well. And do you think them days in the GA maybe well it must have enhanced your, your rugby skills and do you think it's very important to maybe to, to play the two and that they complement each other well? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Um I think the hand eye coordination um is was very helpful for me. I know a different shape ball, but at the same time I came from a ball sport, whereas I've seen other girls transition um from athletics or hockey, and it's just slightly different, even hockey from being a stick sport. Um but yeah, it's even just spatial awareness um, in GA, the give and go. Like we still do things like um, offside touch is what we call it in training. And it's where you can pass multi-directions and it's um, it's very similar to GA and the give and go. And um, yeah, definitely. I think they complement each other really well. And even having got the opportunity to go to back to GA since playing rugby, I think it works well in the reverse as well. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad I've got to play all of them. And then... Um... You obviously went back and played at Wicklow after the the seven series in Seville, and it was their debut AIL season. And 
obviously coming into a side maybe halfway through the season. How impressed were you with them and from going from maybe from not being an AL side to competing against the best in the country? Yeah, massively, massively impressed with what they're doing then there. Firstly, impressed by um, how welcoming they were and how nice and understanding they were, considering that was my first time. I was at the club once um, before COVID for a training session and then unfortunately I actually broke my hand and couldn't play with them. Um, but they were extremely welcoming and so helpful um, because I was going down there and, and as, as I said, I'm, I'm not like by any means an expert in 15s at all. So um, I was going down there relying on them a lot and they've got some serious talent. Um, I, like I really enjoyed getting to play in the back line and um, some of the sevens girls, Vicky and Ella were down there as well. So it was great to get to play with those, but also the level that we were playing at was um, was great for me. And definitely learned so much from those girls. Um, Neveni Drummer's down there, who's an ex-international. She's a player coach and um, got to learn loads from her as well. And the, yeah, for, for me, it was just, it's great to have an AIL club in my own um, local county that I can actually go and play with um, and get to play against some of the best in the country as well. So I'm really excited to see where Wicklow can get to um, now in the AIL. And I look forward to getting back and playing with them then. Yeah, and as you mentioned there, a very talented side. There's yourself, Ella Roberts, Beth Roberts, um, Aaron McConnell, uh, Vicky Elms, Kinlan. And do you think that maybe, obviously, with the split in the AL season between the top four and then the conference section, do you think that that Wicklow side, and including yourself, could maybe push them other sides like Black Rock Railway um, all the way in the next couple of years? Yeah, I definitely think that has to be um, the aim and the goal. And I think... Um, we even surprised ourselves with how we were able to finish um, with a really good win against Ballincollig, who again are a decent side, um, or even how we got how we managed to play against Etonians, who were the top um, side in conference too. So I think it's great to have that split so that you can um, still get really competitive games towards the end of the season. But um, at the end of the day, that's where we want to be is up in Donnybrook and um, playing on TG Catter for for the AIL final and I definitely think because of the underage structures that that club have um, and the work that's been done by volunteers down there um, one day it will 100% um, reach that level because even the calibre of players that they're producing at the moment is is just great and then obviously it's it's great for the, the AIL to be on TG Cahar and finally getting the recognition it deserves and how big are they in kind of helping women's sport in general, whether it's the Gaelic football or if it, it's rugby? How instrumental are they to women's sport in the country? Oh, they're fantastic. Um, like what they've done for ladies football has been amazing. And then this year between the Interpros um, and then for the club finals, that was amazing. And it was a great spectacle. And um, we were down in Ballincollig that day playing. So but we got back in time for the final, be able to sit in on an evening and look at the likes of Eve Higgins, who's just so impressive to watch um, on TV. Like what that does for women's rugby is massive. And it is that thing of exposure and the can't see, can't be. Um, and TG Cat have been like, they've always been the first up when it comes to to women's women's sport. I think even being able to watch Aussie rules and follow the girls, the Irish girls that have went over there, like that's just massive for them. But it's also massive for young girls who just want to play sport at a high level and and want uh, good role models on on TV that they can follow. So I think yeah, it's great. Um, and the more that we um can get that because there's such a good standard of club club rugby in, in Ireland at the moment. So the more that we can get that on the TV, then the better. And then we'll just finish this off with a with a bit of a quick fire round. Then Lucy, um, I'm going to ask you maybe a couple of things about your past teammates, and it can be all time teammates, whether it's sevens or fifteens. 
Um, and if I was to ask you the, the best passer is that you, you've played with, who would you say to me? Stacey Flood. Hands um, best tackler? Um, Ashley Baxter. Um, kicker? Kicker. Nicky Cotty. Um, leader? Um, Amy Lee Murphy Crow by her actions. And then finally, IQ. Was there ever a player that was just one step ahead the whole time and could nearly see into the future a bit? Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely a few wiz- wizards out there. I think Stacey Flood is a wizard of the game, I think. Um, yeah, um, I think Emily Lane is also, she knows the game inside out. Um, yeah, um, there's a lot of intelligent players that I've played with. So Ashley Baxter, again, another one. Um, that's just knows the game inside out. Lucy, that's absolutely brilliant. And thank you so much for joining us today and all the best with the with the lots of rugby you have to play now in the in the close future. Brilliant. Thanks a million for having me, Luke. Appreciate it. We are now rejoined by Kieran Noble to have a look at the upcoming fixtures in the AIL. So Kieran, welcome back after a brief break in the show. Yeah, it was only a real brief one, but uh, yeah, I'm glad to be back. Uh, and then we'll start off with Division 1A then. Um, Young Munster against Cork Con, uh, a huge game then this weekend. Um, UCC faced Gary Owen. Uh, Lansdowne faced Terran Yor. Uh, Clontarf faced Bannon Hinch. And Dublin University faced UCD. So there's a couple of games there that um, have uh, all the ingredients to make it a classic, don't they? Lansdowne yeah, well, Cork Con, Young Munster is the obvious one for the battle for the top four, you know. And I think whoever loses this game, you know, could be in serious trouble and their top four hopes might be dashed, to be fair. Um, Young Munster have home advantage, I think. So, you know, they'll be hoping that'll work out for them. Uh, Cork Con, as I said, they've only won eight games this year. So <laughs> they're a bit lucky to be in the top four and it just shows the bonus point is important. But uh, yeah, the colours match is massive as well. Uh, Trinity UCD because... When Trinity played them before, they hammered them. But I think UCD are in a different state of mind now. And they'll be going thinking they can beat Trinity. But for Trinity, they have to win their next two games and hope that somebody like Cork or Young Munster has a slip-up somewhere. So that's another massive game. Clontarf, they'll be all right. Lansdowne, Terran Yor is another massive game because I actually do think Clontarf... Or Lansdowne, Terran Yor, yeah. Lansdowne, Terran Yor will be a massive game because I think if Terran Yor win, they jump into second, put Lansdowne in third. But also, I think they will end up playing each other in the semi-finals. So I think it's an interesting one. How many cards will they show in this game? Will they just get a feel for one another? Because now I think Terran Yor are the better side. I actually think if they go, based on this season, if Terran Yor played their best brand of rugby, I think they will beat Lansdowne. But I don't know if they'll do that at the weekend, if they'll just keep that for the playoffs. But as I said earlier, I do think Terran Yor the second best team in the AL this season. So it'll be interesting to see that game. Yeah, there's a lot can happen in 1A this weekend. The top four fight is the most interesting one, to be fair. Um, Terran Yor lands down, it'll be interesting to see how that game goes. I think Terran Yor, it would do them a lot of confidence. Like it would do their confidence a lot of good. If they beat Lansdowne, but I don't know. I think they might save themselves for the semi-final because I do think they'll end up playing each other in the semi-final. And for Trinity, they just have to keep keep going and hope for a win against UCD. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, Young Munster and Cork Con is the big one. 
And whoever wins that is then in the driving seat to go through into the semi-finals. They surely will be. And then moving on to Division 1B. Um, more big games then. Um, with Banbridge facing Shannon. Highfield facing Navin. Malone facing Nace. Old Belvedere against City of Armagh. And then St. Mary's College against Old Wesley. And that last one I said there, Wesley and Mary's. Mary's really do need a win if they want to break into that top four. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Wesley are going to, if they'll discreetly help Mary's out a little bit. If they'll kind of, you know, maybe put out a kind of second string side, you know, give some big lads a rest, kind of open the door for Mary's to get the win and keep the pressure on the top four spaces. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Just a little battle that this weekend will be Belvedere against City of Armagh. I think whoever wins that will pretty much secure sixth place in the table. Um, so, yeah, that's another interesting game. But, yeah, I think um, Shannon are playing as well. Um, who are they Again, playing Bambridge. Again? Bambridge, yeah. Shannon be looking for a win. And then they finish their season at home to Old Wesley. It'll be interesting to see what happens there because that could be the final, I reckon, in a, in a few weeks' time. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting games happening there this weekend as well. St. Mary's versus Old Wesley is probably the pick of the bunch, to be fair. Um, if St. Mary's win, they can really push and try and get into that top four. If they don't, it might be hard for them. So, yeah, it's a big match for them. It really is. And I think that game at Nason Malone, obviously Malone haven't had the strongest of seasons, but still a very tough place to go for a side, even um, with a side of, of Nace's quality. Um, so there still is potential banana skins for a lot of them top sides as well. And, like you were saying there, everyone does have to really be on their A game till the end of the season. And another thing that will be on the minds of a lot of them top four sides is home advantage for the semi-final. And how, how important would that be, playing in front of your own crowd maybe in, in them semi-finals? I'm massive, you know, especially with, you know, COVID restrictions being lifted at the moment. Like, people filling up stadiums or uh, grounds again is brilliant. And just, you know... The, the buzz around the place and I think it really does help the home side it gives them that extra bit of momentum and even things like I was watching the Ireland England game a couple of weeks ago but even things like the way players react and the way the fans react sometimes that can sway the referee so if the fans are like get loud and maybe making the ref down himself a little bit that decisions can go the way the home side so even things like that you know home advantage is massive yeah, it really is. It's it's huge. And then on to Division 2A. Um, your Bohemian host, MU Barn Hall at UL Arena. Uh, Rainy Old Boys will be looking for a very important win against Dolphin at Hattrick Park. While Queen's University face a top four driven Old Crescent side and Buccaneers, Ballymena, as well as Nina Ormond and Cashel. And I think the, the game that really jumps out at me there is Buccaneers and Ballymena, both sides very eager to, to jump up 2-1-B. Uh, how do you see that one playing out? Well, I haven't seen much of them, to be fair, so I'll be honest there. But Buccaneers, you know, they seem to be a team coming into form, you know, at the right stage of the season. So they'll be aiming for a win. And Ballinamina need a win by the sound of things if they're going to kind of contest and hopefully get up to 1B. So, yeah, it's a big one for both clubs, I'd say. And it's the nitty-gritty part of the season now, so you can't afford to make any real mistakes. It really is. And I suppose even down the bottom of that table, if Rainy Old Boys do pick up a, a win against Dolphin and Cash will beat Nina, it'll do that Rainy Old Boys side the, the world of good to maybe give them a boost to go on and, and show that they have what it takes to, to stay in Division 2A. Um, and then moving on to Division 2B, 
Um, Sligo host Dungannon at Hamilton Park. Uh, Greystones welcome Malahoy to Dr. Hickey Park. Um, and then Wanderers travel to Galwegians. Uh, Blackrock College host Ballina and Belfast Harlequins play Galway Corinthians. And really, what is the, the match of the weekend in Division 2B? Um, obviously, Belfast Harlequins, they've, they've shown great strength in beating their top sides over the over the course of the season. And I think that would be a reason why I'd be back at them, maybe to go all the way. Um, how do you think that game against Corinthians will play out? It's a it's an interesting game because, as I said before, these are probably two sides that know they could potentially play each other in the semi final. So it's all about you know managing that. You know you don't want to peak against the team too early. Uh, they could you know hold their cards close to their chest. But another one you'd I'd probably look at for another reason is Malahide Greystones because Malahide are kind of on the up and they're winning, winning, winning. Whereas Greystones are kind of going the other way. So if Greystones lose against Malahide. That could really, really hurt them. Like that, they could really start to doubt themselves if that happens. So for Greystones, they really need to make sure they get that win against Malahide. Yeah, and and you're dead right because winning is a it's a difficult recipe to get right. But when you are in that type of form, and there's no doubt that the Paul Lennon and his, and his side will be so eager to to end the season on, on a strong note, going into that top four season and. Malahide, if you look, if you're just looking at the table, you'd be like, ah, Greystone should cruise to it. But they're a side, like I was saying earlier on the show, with five wins from the last six games. And they've overturned a lot of the big boys in recent weeks as well. Yeah, no. Greystones really need to be careful of that one. I know it wouldn't really make a difference in terms of top four and where they're going to finish up. But I just think for their confidence, they need to they need to get a win there. And for Malahide, add another casualty to the list. Yeah, absolutely. And then moving on to Division 2C um, and another whole host of games to be played then this weekend. Tullamore host Oma Academicals. Uh, Sunday's well play host Middleton. Scaries um, host Brough. And Escorty play City of Derry and Banger play Clan Mel. Um, and like we were saying earlier, that, that top four seems to be wrapped up anyway. And I think, um, as we were saying, it'll be home advantage that everybody will be playing for at this stage of the season. Um, Scaries and Brough for me is a is a game with a lot of potential. I think Brough will be doing everything to maybe fire themselves up the table come the back end of the season. Um, so that will be another uh, another good game. And Tullamore um, off the back of a good win over Scaries face uh, Oma Academicals. Um, so another full round of fixtures for us to enjoy anyway, Kieran. Yeah, no, I mean, like the important thing to mention is this is the end of the season, and some play some teams have playoffs to play for. They have. To stay up in divisions, they have to win games. But also going into next season, sometimes if you finish the season strong, it can really help you by the time October rolls around and the season restarts. You know, you can say, oh, the last two rounds we played really good rugby and we can really build from there. Going into the summer, they can, you know, work on things, try and pr- improve on things in training camps. So, yeah, these two ga- these two rounds, you know, they're important for every single club, I think, in different ways. You know, how they build for the future. Even the way they play might entice a player to come to their club next season. Like, you know, things like that. So these games are still really important for every single one of the clubs. They really are. And Kieran, I'm afraid that is all that we have time for today. And I'll make sure that we have you back on next week to, to have a look at the final fixtures of the season. No worries, Luke. Pleasure to be on. I'm afraid that is all we have time for on this week's show, but make sure to keep an eye out on finalwhistle.ie this weekend for all the latest across the Energy All-Ireland League, the URC, 
Women's Six Nations. And of course, we will also have plenty of action from the Leinster Schools Senior Cup Final, which will feature in next week's show. Bye for now.